Good morning, church. Um, so one of the worst fears as someone who's going to preach is, if, are they recording you when you sing during worship? Um, I had a, had a, I have a friend who's a pastor in Raleigh, and they recorded him singing over a few months and made an album for him. So please don't do that, Jeremy. Um, so one of the biggest fears. Um, so hope you're doing well this morning. It is a beautiful day outside. And um, Pastor Michael has asked me to preach this morning and can pick up where you guys are in the book of Mark. So if you would turn to chapter 5. Um, and I'm going to read what we're going to mainly go over uh, in verse 24. Um, so if you have that text, if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll go ahead and start in 24. And when he, and he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had and was not better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing upon you? And yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened, came in fear, trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Let's pray. Father God, as we look um, at the book of Mark this morning, I pray that you bring out in me the words that you want to say. I pray that um, we notice um, and take in the, the faith of this woman and also who our Lord is. And God, I thank you for this opportunity. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the book of Mark, you guys been walking through, and I'm not sure, I haven't been able to listen to what Pastor Michael's been uh, speaking on. In his, um, but right now we're in a passage where Mark is really explaining who Jesus is. Um, in chapter 4, at the end of it, you see Jesus calm the storm. In the beginning of chapter 5, you see Jesus heal a man with, with demons who's called legion. And now, last week, I know it, I used to not many people were here, but last week Pastor Michael talked about uh, Jesus healing Jairus' daughter. And now we're going to pick up in this story, and Jesus is going to heal the woman. Um, within, so within that whole narrative right here, we have Jesus... Like I said, calm the storm. So he is Lord over nature. Um, Jesus heals the man with the demons. So he's Lord over the demons. He heals, or actually he brings a little girl back to life. So he is Lord over death. And this morning we're going to talk about Jesus is Lord over disease. Um, And while we're thinking about that, do we follow Jesus as Lord? And I don't, I don't mean in some cliche way. I mean, 
Jesus is God. And I would hope that most of us agree with that statement. But do we follow God, do we follow Jesus as Lord? Um, and you might say that he is God. But do you follow him as someone who demands not respect? I mean, he does re- demand respect, but he demands your everything. So you, do you give that to him? Um, do we give that to him? And as we're walking through, I really want you to think about what, what is Mark saying about Jesus? What have you already learned about Jesus um, in the past couple of weeks? And also, what is my, my posture before him? Is it someone who says, I can do th- this by myself? Or is it someone who says, Jesus, you're Lord, and I'm going to follow you and trust you and have faith in you? Um, so we're going to jump in. in. In verse 21, right before that, we see Jesus comes across the sea, and, and he, as, he, as he steps off the boat... People are waiting for him, and they're there to see him. Um, Mark doesn't say it this way, but Luke has the same story, and he said that people wanted to see Jesus. They had heard everything that Jesus had been doing, and so they wanted to see Jesus earnestly and see who this man really was. Um, You have to remember, before Jesus stepped onto the scene, you had John the Baptist, and before that, God really didn't do anything. There was about 400 years of God being silent. And so you have the Israelites who haven't heard from God in, in years. And I mean, no one alive in, in this point in time in the Scriptures has even seen anything remotely close to what Jesus is doing. And so they want to see Him. They want to come and see, hey, who is this guy? Um, and something I want you to notice is that Jesus, our Lord, is approachable. And what do I mean by that? Jesus didn't scoff at the people who were coming to see him. He didn't say, no, I would rather go and be alone with maybe my disciples, which wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, Or maybe I'm going to go somewhere else and get away from all these people. Jesus would interact with many crowds over the course of his ministry. And many people could come to him. Last week we see Jairus comes to him. Um, and we see that any type of person can come to Jesus. First, like I said last week, Jairus. He's a synagogue leader. He is most likely wealthy uh, because of his house. He has many rooms in his house. Most um, houses would only have one room. And so Jairus has different rooms in his house, as the text describes. And we, so he's most likely wealthy. Um, he's also a prominent man. He's named um, and so this man, who's probably someone we would think about um, may, maybe as a preacher, but I would think more as a politician, someone who's well-known, someone maybe even, maybe even an athlete that we think of today. So this man is prominent. People know who he is. But in our story, we, we pick up where a, where a woman comes to him, and she's not named anywhere. Um, and she's poor, an outcast. But there's two things that they have in common. Jairus's daughter, who dies, is ritually unclean. What do I mean by that? Is that the Jewish law said that if she died, no one could touch her; they would be called unclean. Um, the woman is unclean. 
And, but why is she unclean? In Leviticus chapter 15, verse 25, it says, If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, not at the time of her menstrual impurity, or if she is discharged beyond that time of her impurity, all the days of the discharge she will continue to be unclean, as in the days of her, of her impurity she shall be unclean. And so what Leviticus is saying is this woman is unclean. If she touches anything under Jewish law, under the law, she makes that object or that person, whatever it may be, unclean. And so Jesus has two different types of people really on the opposite end of the spectrum. You have someone who is very prominent and you have someone who is an outcast. Someone who doesn't really go out in public. Um, but she comes to Jesus. And I want you to note the difference in. So the, the, Jairus' prominence in the woman's Fear of being seen and her outcast, uh, her being an outcast, it shows this is how they're going to act in public. And Jairus comes, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, will you come heal my daughter? And he falls down before Jesus. Um, the woman comes in fear. She doesn't, she doesn't come and display herself to Jesus. She doesn't come and introduce herself. She says, if I can touch his garment. And so the two differences, most people would say that, well, it's showing humility on Jairus' part. And I would agree because he is a synagogue leader. He is someone in the community, but he comes to Jesus anyway. But his place in the community allows him to come to Jesus openly. Someone who can speak freely, so to speak, in that area, in a crowd. Uh, But the woman comes in fear, not fear of Jesus but fear of what people are going to say, fear that she will make someone unclean if she touches them. Um, and she just really doesn't want to be seen because for 12 years she's been outcast. And Jesus takes the time to heal her. Um, even though he doesn't actually touch her in a way that shows this, but Jesus, Jesus let the process happen and she is healed by him. Um, so what I want you to see here is that Jesus, the Lord of all the universe, so you've seen this, he's Lord of nature, demons, death, and disease. He's approachable. We can go to him with what we have. We can go to him with, with our, our earthly sickness or whatever that may be. Um, but we also can go to him with more than that. As much as, much as it is painful to go through some of the things that, you know, cancer or a tumor or whatever those things may be, Jesus can heal those, but he can heal the, the, the bigger disease. And what do I mean by that is sin. We have a, in our nature, we're sinful. And so Jesus can, can come and we can approach him and he can heal us and make us clean. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, um, verse 14, it says that since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then come with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace and find help in the time of need. This woman comes to Jesus 
with a need. For 12 years, she has suffered. And, and actually, she suffered much. She went to doctors and spent all that she had. Nothing could help. Nothing could help her. No, no medicine, no doctor, no one. Nothing could help. But she went to the one who could help her. And that was Jesus. And for us, you know, we want to pray for those who are sick. We want to pray for those who need healing. Now, I especially want you to pray for me when I'm sick. But what, I'll, what Jesus is going to do here is more than just heal her bodily disease. He's going to make her clean. going to make her holy. And that we can do that as well. Um, we can go to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm unclean. Can you heal me? Um, and the bigger disease, Jesus can take care of all of it because he's Lord. And that's what Mark's trying to say. Is Mark's trying to say is, look, this man that you're seeing isn't just some prophet. He isn't just some man who can heal people. He can forgive your sins. And we're going to jump into that here in a second. But do, do, you, do we approach Jesus as that Lord? Not to be scared, but to come in reverence as the woman did. She came in fear to him because she, she knew at least a little bit of who he was. Maybe not, she didn't probably know that he was Lord of the universe at the time, but she knew that she could be healed and she had faith in him. And the faith was, was how she interacted with Jesus. Although Jesus was in a crowd of about, I don't know the exact number, but there was a lot of people, probably as many people in this room or more, and she is the only one that makes a spiritual connection to Jesus. Or well, does that matter? All of these people want to see Jesus do something. But she needed Jesus to do something for her. And Jesus was able to, able to say, I can do this. Even though he didn't exactly touch her and heal her saying that, he did and let her be healed. So, again, do we approach Jesus as this person, as this Lord who cares about what we're going through? As we, as we jump down... And we look at verse 25. Um, the woman ha- is, has a discharge of blood. She's suffered under mu- many doctors and spent all that she had. Well, that's not that bad, right? I mean, she's, at least she's still, you know, living. But actually the text says that she's grew worse. She's gotten worse over the years. And after the doctors have tried to heal her. The doctors have tried to do everything they could to help her, but they couldn't. And so what Mark is doing, Mark is setting up this impossible task for Jesus to complete. Um, we read that and we think, well, no one can help her. She's going she's to have to live with this her whole life. But Jesus heals her. And so what I want you to see is our Lord is powerful. He, he has power over Again, over nature, over demons, over death and disease. All which are things that human hands can't, can't do. I can't control the wind and the waters and the waves. 
I can't heal someone with a demon inside of them. I can't, I can't heal them of their disease or bring someone back to life. Only Jesus can. So that power, this, this, the deity that he, the Godhead dwells within Jesus. And Jesus displays this as he walks with the Israelites 2,000 years ago. Um, he, he has power over any disease, not just the woman's. We see that Jesus heals many people throughout the course of the gospel. And that whatever it may be, Jesus can heal that. Um, this woman comes to him and has nothing left. She has spent everything. She has went to every doctor. But there's no cure. She can't be healed. Jesus is her last hope. She spent everything. Um, and like I said, the doctors actually made her worse. And as, as, we're, as you're reading through that, you're like, gosh, what is Jesus going to do? And, and Jesus actually lets her initiate the process. As she touches him, Luke actually described this as a tassel that, that the Jews wore um, as a part of their clothing. She touches, so she doesn't even actually touch his body. She touches his tassel. I mean, maybe even like a lanyard, whatever it may be. She touches that. She doesn't even touch him. And she immediately, the word is immediately, like instantly, she's healed. And she felt that. She felt the healing of what Jesus had just done. She didn't have to be told. She knew immediately. And also we see Jesus immediately, instantly knows that power had left him. Um, and he knew that he had healed someone. Um, and he had healed her not only from her disease, but also from her uncleanness. Like I said, if anything she touches becomes unclean. Just like the daughter of Jairus, any, anyone who touches her becomes unclean. What does Jesus do? He takes the daughter by the touches her and holds her and says, Awake. Jesus allows a woman to touch him. So he takes on not only their disease and death, but also their uncleanness, their spiritual uncleanness. Um, and frankly, the latter of the two is what's more important. Jesus takes on this sinful uncleanness and makes them whole. Um, when, when the woman touched Jesus, uh, Jesus healed both everything. He healed, healed her whole body and healed her spiritual body, so to speak. She doesn't have a body, but he healed her spiritual, he healed her soul. Um, and he makes her ritually and by Jewish law clean. Once she's healed, she's clean. She can live her life and go about normal things again. But until that, until this moment, she had suffered 12 years. But Jesus makes her clean. Um, did Jesus not know what he had done when he asked, who touched me? Um, I want you to see this, this idea of faith is starting to appear 
just as Jairus came to Jesus, he, he falls down before him and said, will you heal my daughter? He comes in faith. A, a common Jewish leader comes in faith to Jesus and asks, can you do this? What do the disciples do? The people who have spent time with him. But what do you mean someone touched you? Do you see these people around you? Of course someone touched you. His own disciples don't understand what's going on. Jesus knew who had touched him, of course, right? I mean, Jesus is God. Jesus knew that the woman had touched his garment. But Jesus was giving the woman a chance to respond. He was giving her a chance to respond in faith. But the disciples said, come on, Jesus, what are you doing? You know some, everybody around here has touched you. So they didn't have faith. They didn't know what was going on. And we see the woman comes to Jesus to be healed by her faith. Um, when Jesus is t- she comes to Jesus, she says, she explains everything, what had just happened. And this is what Jesus said in verse 33. But the woman, knowing what had happened, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told the whole truth. (coughs) Sorry. And as he gives her a chance to respond, she knows that she's been healed. But not only healed with her disease, but healed spiritually. I want you to think back to in Mark chapter 2 where Jesus heals the paralytic who is lowered down into the house. But what does Jesus say first? He says, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees, of course, say, who is this man who can say this? And, and Jesus responds, oh, is it easier to say that your sins are forgiven or to get up and walk? So Jesus not only heals the man who is lame, but forgives his sin because of his faith and because of his friend's faith. Jesus is applauding faith throughout the book of Mark. Um, When Jesus heals the man who is paralyzed, he, he didn't say... He doesn't heal him and say, get up and walk. He does something even more crazy. He said, your sins are forgiven. Now, if, you're, if the Pharisees who were with them in chapter 2 of Mark, they were good Pharisees. They knew, hey, only God can forgive sins. We know that only God can forgive sins. But they were too blind to see that this is God. And Jesus not only takes on disease and and, and people who are paralyzed and people with leprosy, he heals their soul. Not only does he heal their bodily aches and bodily diseases, he heals their soul. And that's what we all need. He tells him, your sins are forgiven. And this is much like what's going on in this passage. Um, she knows that she's been healed by the disease. But then Jesus affirms her faith. Um, in, in verse 33, so she explains what had happened. Um, and this might, I don't know how long this took, but she explained the whole story. So she told him everything. 
So Jesus technically would have been unclean. Jesus would have been considered an outcast at this point. But he takes on all of her baggage, all of this, all of her spiritual, all of her earthly, bodily disease. He takes that on. And that's what, that's what he recognizes. He says, power has left, left me. What he means is, I've healed someone both physically and spiritually. And Jesus now is letting the woman respond. And she says, you're, you are my last hope. Um, whether her, her, her thoughts about Jesus were correct of some sort by just touching him, whatever she thought, she had faith to go to Jesus. Um, it's something that I want you to see that our Lord, our Lord applauds faith. Um, look at what Jesus says in verse 34. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So as Jesus is letting her respond, he then responds to her and says, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Like I said before, the disciples questioned Jesus. They had no idea what was going on. Um, But the woman knew um, and like I said, did this mean that, she, that Jesus didn't know what was going on? But no way. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. But he allowed her to come in faith and respond in that way. Um, it says that she came and fell down in fear. Um, just like Jairus did. Just like the man with legion, the demons, they, they fell in front of Jesus um, you see this in chapter 4, or actually all of chapter 5, you see that people bowing on their knee to Jesus. It's a sign of who Jesus is. This is He is Lord. Um, but why doesn't the woman come to do that in the first place? All she had to do was come to Jesus and say, will you heal me? But she doesn't. She comes and touches him in secret. She was actually afraid. Not afraid of Jesus, but she was afraid of what was going to happen. She didn't know if he would heal her. She didn't know what well, she didn't know if she would make him unclean and therefore everybody would just scatter. She had no idea, but she was afraid and she said she knew if she just touched him, she'd be healed. But why does it explain that she's, she comes in fear? Because she doesn't want the ministry of Jesus to be ended by her. She's thinking about her own disease. But Jesus takes that on. Um, and he takes on her uncleanness. He takes on her disease. Um, Just as Jairus did in verse 22, the woman comes in faith. Um, And just as, like I said, just as Jairus and the the demonic and the man, they they fall before Jesus. This sign of respect, 
this sign of awe and fear of who Jesus is. Um, not not in, in chapter 5, but you see demons who know who Jesus is. And they, they know that he's, that he's God. I mean, if I'm someone standing there and I hear this man who's possessed with demons say, you're the son of God, I'm probably, first of all, I'm freaking out because there's probably a demon. But second of all, they recognize him as God. I don't know if you need much more explaining than that. They, they fall before Jesus just like anyone else. Jesus, the Lord of all of this, the Lord of the universe, they fall before him, and they will fall before him. And as she's telling Jesus, as she's fallen, as a woman has fallen on her face to tell Jesus what has happened, Jesus applauds her and says, your faith has made you well. And what Jesus is saying is, your faith in me is what's made you well. So the faith in, our faith in itself doesn't do anything. It's the faith in Jesus that does something. It's the object of our faith. Um, just because I have faith in the chair, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not acting on that faith until I sit down in the chair. And then the chair, what, holds me up. So the chair is actually doing what I have faith in it to do. Jesus is the one who saves. He's the one who heals, not the faith. I want you, I want you to understand, understand this point. This, we have to have faith in Jesus. But it isn't our faith that saves us. It's Jesus. Of course, we're saved by faith and grace. But it's in Jesus. He's the one who heals us. He's the one who takes on all of our spiritual uncleanness. And the faith, she applauds her faith by saying, Your faith in me has made you well. I'll read it again. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So he, he applauds her faith. Then he says, Go in peace which is a, a normal Hebrew farewell, like a send-off, go in peace. But Jesus is actually, he's talking about peace with God. Not, not just, you know, a natural, you know, just a normal, hey, how you doing? I hope you have a good day. See you later. Jesus is talking about she has peace now. Not only in her body, but in her soul. I think about Romans 5.1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and as Paul's writing this letter to the Romans, he's pulling on this idea that we have faith in Jesus. This faith in Jesus brings us peace, brings us healing, brings us to the point that we were supposed to be in a relationship with God. And even though we have a sinful nature, our nature is sinful, Jesus came to bring peace. Um, Jesus could have waged war. Jesus could have come to the earth and destroyed everything because he's God. 
Jesus, but Jesus being God doesn't show that. He shows his character and shows that he loves the lonely, the outcast, the prominent, and everyone else. Jesus gives this peace to not only the woman, but to everyone he came in contact. Everyone he healed, he sends them off. He even tells them sometimes, don't talk about me. Don't say this. But Jesus sends them off in peace. This spiritual disease is healed. It's gone. Jesus is taking care of their sins. Just like he told the man to get up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. He's made peace with sin and holiness. Because, what, because God calls us to be holy. We have this, this terrible war fighting within our souls because we've decided to be sinful, but God calls us to be holy. And Jesus makes peace with that. He makes, he makes an atonement for us. Not in the way that he does for the woman, Jesus actually died. His blood was shed for our sin on the cross. And he makes peace. And really, if you, if you don't have that peace, you're never gonna, you're, if you don't have peace from Jesus, you're never going to have peace in your, own, in your job. You're never going to have peace at home. Whatever you're doing, you're never going to have peace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7 says, The peace of God transcends all understanding and guards our hearts and our minds. This peace that Jesus is talking about isn't some natural, or sorry, some normal peace that he's just saying, Hey, go have a good day. As this, as this normal Hebrew farewell. He's saying, You are healed, you have grace. You have peace now with God. Um, it, it's our faith in Jesus that brings healing to our own souls. We can't do it. We never could. But Jesus brings peace to us by His atonement and His death. And our faith in Him is what brings us peace. So my question is, does your faith bring peace? Does your faith bring the, the everlasting grace that, that he gives? Do you have faith in this person, Jesus Christ? Do you have faith in this Lord over everything? Mark's going through and explains that he's Lord over these things. And I want you to see that he is Lord over things that man cannot heal. Man has no control of. We can't control the weather. We can't control, really we can't control demons. And we, and we definitely, surely can't control death. God's given us medicine to heal people who are sick. But we still, we lose people. We lose family members to disease and sickness. Jesus can heal all of that. But more importantly, he can heal sin. He can take that on. He can take our spiritual uncleanness and take that on and heal it. As when I was growing up, going to church here, um, we, as I learned about Jesus, 
It took a few years, but when I was 11 years old in Judgment House, I got saved probably where, probably where John Stephen is. On that seat, walked in the back, um, filled out a card, and that's not the point. But I got saved that night. I placed my faith in Jesus. But I didn't really understand what was going on. I had placed my faith in Jesus just like the woman placed her faith in Jesus. But she didn't know what was going to happen. Just like her, I had no idea what would happen. She, she comes to him and it, she wants to be healed. I came to Jesus wanting to be healed in a different sense. I wasn't sick. I was spiritually sick. And as time grew, I grew up, as, as, as I'm going to school and going to church every week, and I knew all the things, I knew everything. Um, before I got to seminary, I really thought I knew a lot about the Bible. To be honest with you, pridefully, I really did. I thought I knew a lot. Um, but it took a long time for me to understand that this is a process. Um, that my sanctification, big word, the process by which I grow more to be like Christ, is a long process. And I didn't understand what, I really didn't understand what Jesus wanted for me at the time, when I was 11 years old. I didn't understand what was going on. I just knew to place faith in Jesus. If I had died that night, would I went to heaven? Yes. But I didn't act on my faith. In the summer, I, I, I preached on James. And a faith without works is dead. In my heart, I had faith, but it wasn't coming out, so to speak. It wasn't showing other people, this is the faith that I have in Jesus. I didn't understand. As this woman, as after she is healed, she understands. She says, I've been healed both physically and spiritually. She doesn't... She goes. She just goes in peace. There's nothing left for her to do. There was, there's nothing left for me to do but to go in peace. There's nothing left for anyone to do who is saved but to go in peace and share that good news. But my, my point is that until we, until we have faith that acts, what are we really doing? If we don't have a faith that that shows this is who Jesus is, what, what, are we, what are we doing here? If our faith doesn't so, show who Jesus is, there's no reason to come here. We're called to spread the gospel to, to all the nations and to our neighbors. You know, sometimes we forget. We go overseas and they need the gospel just as much as anybody. But we forget that in our daily lives, we show who Jesus is. Whether you want to or not, you show a version of Jesus, whether it's poor or the correct version. And sadly, I don't always show that. I don't always show the correct image of Jesus. I want to be someone whose faith shows this is who Jesus really is. And that's what Mark is explaining in chapter 5. This is who Jesus is. He is Lord. Now have faith in Him. The common response today is to have faith in Jesus, if you don't already. 
If you have faith in Jesus, the next step is to say, is my faith showing something? And what is it showing? Is it showing who Jesus is? Um, a Christian writer, um, songwriter, uh, his name's Trip Lee, he writes a book, and in his book it talks about, someone could tell me I was in a burning building. The building around me could be on fire. And I might know that. But until I actually get out of the building, I don't acknowledge that the, that the building's on fire. I could stay all day in, in the building and, and even burn and die, but, and I still could know that the, that the building's on fire. But I didn't act on that. I didn't say, well, hey, there's a fire. Let me get, I'm going to go out the door. I could, be 10, I could be 12, 15 feet away from the door and never go. So is your faith going to be something that goes? Are you going to be someone that goes on the behalf of Jesus? But first you have to be spiritually clean. And what does that mean? I've been talking about that a lot today. It means that Jesus pays for your sin. That you place faith in Jesus and you ask Him to forgive you. And you ask Him to say, look... This is all that I have. I have only thing I have is spiritual uncleanness. All I have is my sin. Because really, I can't do anything apart from God. And until we understand that, I don't know if we, if we portray the correct demons of Jesus and His love and His, His mercy on us. Jesus, I have nothing. Without you, I have nothing. You and nothing equals everything. Jesus is everything. The woman spent everything she had, but she still had hope in Jesus, and she came to him. Are we placing our faith in something else? In our financial security? I'm not saying don't be financially secure. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do you bank on this to get you by. We were in chapel at school, and um, a guy, he had planted a church in Colorado, was a pastor of a, of a church of over 2,000 people, um, fairly young, was in a great situation, and just moved up and moved to Colorado to plant a church. And what he said that day was intrigued me, but also challenged me. If our faith in God, if we don't expect God to do something every day, what is our faith doing? And I don't mean that and that God's going to do something every single day of our life, but I mean, how is your disposition towards God? Is it that you or me, is it that I can do anything, or is that God is going to do something on my behalf? Um. That pastor who's, who's planted that church, he says that every morning he gets up, he says, God, you have to do something today. And God does. We might not see it. We might never see it. But God does something. Um, as, it, as we wrap up, Jesus calms the storm, and the disciples are freaking out, and Jesus says, have faith. 
I mean, I, personally, I might be freaking out too if, the, if I'm about to die on a boat, but they go to Jesus, he's asleep, and he's like, calm down, have faith. Jesus heals the storm, everything goes back to normal. And in verse 41 of chapter 4, this is what the disciples say. Overcome with fear. Overcome is in like, we need to change our britches. Overcome in fear. They kept saying to one another, who is this man? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Who is Jesus to you today? Whether you know it or not, he's Lord. The sun comes out mostly on days like today, and sometimes the clouds hide the sun. But just because it's a cloudy day doesn't mean the sun has disappeared. The sun is always there. Jesus is always Lord. He always has been always will be. But are you going to recognize it? Are you going to place your faith in Him and place it in Him as Lord, not as just God? Not as some God that we don't know and we don't get to interact with, but a God that loves us and came to die for us. That's the God that we place our faith in. And we place it in faith as, as He is Lord and Master of our lives. Let's pray. God, we thank You for um, the book of Mark. We thank You that through this, we can see that we need to have faith in you. We see that this woman comes with nothing. She has spent everything she has and comes to you. God, I pray that we will be a people and be a church who, is, who comes to Jesus with a faith and a reverence that, he, that you are Lord and that we act on that every single day of our lives. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.